All right. Welcome back to Become a Calm Mama. Today, I am lucky enough to talk with Victoria Yates. And we're going to talk today about really teaching your children how to love their body and how to have a great relationship with food and with their body. And we're going to get into some of the challenges of that and what some of the fears that we have as parents and then get into some really good strategies. So welcome, Victoria. Just introduce yourself and we're going to get into it. Yeah. Thanks for having me back on. So fun. (laughs) That's right. Yes. Yes. Um, Yeah. So I'm Victoria Yates. I am an intuitive eating and body image coach for women and um, a little bit about my background. So I formerly was a nurse. I practiced um, as a nurse for uh, about five years. I worked in labor and delivery and then uh, pediatrics. So I do have actually a lot of, even though I work with adult women now, I, I work with a lot of moms and, and such, but I do have a lot of background in pediatric area too and children. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I now work as, as I said, an intuitive eating and body image coach, and I've been doing this for the last eight years. So yeah. Yeah. It's really amazing. And the last time you were on was last year in January. This episode's coming out in January. We talked a lot about healing our, our relationship as women, healing our relationship with our bodies and Mm -hmm. talked through sort of what self-love looks like and how we can move towards body acceptance and, and self-love at that deep level. And so we're going to kind of, that's going to be a little bit part of this conversation, but really about creating a family dynamic that is body positive. And it, it's not necessarily fat positive, thin positive. We're just talking about bodies and how they are. And so we're going to help parents, hopefully find some room within themselves to accept and trust their children's body exactly as it is right now. And however it's supposed to be. (laughs) So let me, let me frame, frame this up for us really quickly before we get into some of the details. My vision as a parenting coach is to heal the next generation in advance. And I believe that we do that through how we are raised by our parents now. And I think about how many of us get to adulthood and we have to heal all these childhood wounds and we have to heal from trauma and insecurities and all of the pain. And so my vision is how do we prevent the pain? Or how do we give our kids the tools they need now so that they don't have to unravel their entire childhood and their experience growing up? And one of the things that we are all healing from, a lot of us as women, is our relationship with our bodies and our relationship with food. And so this, my my goal or my hope by this conversation is that maybe we can do some work with moms so that they don't create that pain for their kids. Let's talk a little bit about body positivity. I think I would love for you to define that because I think it can be, it's misunderstood. Yeah. There's been a lot of pushback recently on the term body positive. Culture says that like one body size equals health. And so that is like so ingrained in our thinking as a, as a whole, as a culture that when we say body positive, they immediately think that, okay, we're saying that health doesn't matter anymore. And that couldn't be farther from the truth. 
And so when I think about like body positive, it's really saying that there are no good or bad bodies, like morally good or bad bodies that everyone has a different body. And that's a good thing. That's just like part of human diversity. And we don't all have to be one specific size. We're not made or created to be one specific size. And there's a lot of factors that go into our weight and the size that we are. Um, Some things are, you know, we do have some control of. This is something that I share often with my clients, you know, who do come to me and they're like, I, you know, want to change my body. I always remind them there are some things that we do have some control over, like, you know, how we eat and movement. And, you know, I look at like stress and sleep, but then there's a large, large component, a large, large uh, percentage of that goes into our body size that is out of our control, specifically Mm -hmm. genetics. Mm -hmm. Like I, I can't name the exact percentage, but it is like over half like over 50% of just like what goes into and factors into the size of our body is genetic. Mm-hmm. And that alone, it's like, when we let think me say something, let me have a life yeah, yeah. just add to that because um, we're both referencing a little bit of this book that I read that blew my mind fat talk, which is um, by Virginia soul Smith. It's parenting in the age of diet culture. And I think it was in that book that she said, we don't go to somebody like a health coach or something and say, can you change the size of my feet? Right. Yeah. <laughs> like there's or no place. Taller? <laughs> yes. Can make me taller. That's what I was thinking. Cause my son, he's like desperately wanting to be taller and he yeah. is still in puberty. And so he can still be growing. And so that's, you know, he, he has like hope, right. For that. But then there's right. a certain point where you are the size you are and you have to accept like my height is my height. Right. And, yep. but then we don't always think we think we can control weight to such a, a yes. different degree. And that that's sort of what you're saying is like, there are some things that are just a frame, like how big your bones are or how mm-hmm. wide your shoulders are. Like your bones are your bones yeah. <laughs> and your the way your muscles dis- distributed and, and that kind of thing. So and yeah. like, even like, as far as like how your body stores fat mm-hmm. is genetic, a mm-hmm. large component of that is like genetic. So there's yes. like, Yeah. I love that you brought that up because it's so true. Like social media, I see it like all the time. It's like these messages of like, just do follow this plan and then Mm -hmm. you'll lose this weight. And Mm -hmm. it's such a, it's, it's just so false. Like maybe you do, but then your body will like bring you back up to the weight that it's meant to be. We're given this message that we have a hundred percent control over our bodies and that's not true. So, so yeah, body positive is saying, you know, this is the body that I was given. And just like I accept my height or my shoe size, like <laughs> I accept my body. And I, I think it's also, I think there's another side to it too. That's important to talk about that. I think there's also kind of the toxic body positivity kind of, um, uh, message that says essentially you have to feel amazing about your body and every part of your body in order to be quote body positive. Um, and for a lot of my clients that doesn't feel possible or like a, like something that they could achieve. And I always remind them like, it, it doesn't have to be like feeling or getting to a place where you are like accepting of your body doesn't have to mean that you love every part of your body, but it's saying, okay, this is my body. And it's like, 
just being more neutral about it. And yeah. I, and so I think that that's also important to, to mention as well. It's a journey. Don't you think it's like my, I, I call this podcast become a calm mama because I really believe that we are all on a, in a process, in a journey, on a path towards greater and greater levels of wholeness. And that means greater levels of self-love and self-compassion and self-acceptance. And so, yeah, I might learn to feel positive or neutral, I guess, about some parts of my, of my body. And then there's other things that are still frustrating to me, especially as I age, that I have new things to care about that I didn't care about 10 years ago. And I have new levels of learning how to love my, this, this corporeal being, this thing that I care around, you know, this face, this smile, these eyes, this hair, this, whatever I'm learning all the time, how to love it yeah. and how to be grateful for it. Yeah. I mean, because like bodies, I think this is another thing we're taught in culture or we're kind of the message we get is that bodies should never change. You should always have the same body. You know, our kids, you know, even like with our kids, like they should just like, you know, have this type of body. But the truth is like our bodies always are changing, you know? Yeah. Um, I just turned 30 this past year and I feel like my body's going through another change like over this past year. And I'm like, okay, yeah. here we go. Yeah. So then it was like, I had to go back to like, all righty. I'm, you know, there were days I was like, I don't feel like loving this. You know, uh -huh. I'm not loving this, but you know, you, you, it's something that you, like you said, it's always a journey. It's something that you're always, you know, working towards. And it's kind of like a relationship with a person even. Mm. It's they're changing, you're getting to know them, you know, you're always, or with your spouse, you're always learning more about your spouse and, um, and your kids are young, but you're going to find as they get older, they're going to change so much. I mean, they have changed a ton, but they're so little, but it's like, you are in a constant relationship with them and learning how to love them deeper and know them deeper and unconditionally accept them when at times their behavior is frustrating or challenging or parts of their personality show up and you're like, eek you know, I'm not sure <laughs> yeah. I like that part. <laughs> and, and so, yeah, I love thinking of it as a relationship. Um, so when we, so we're talking about body positivity and we're going to get into some strategies, but body positivity came about because there is an anti-fat bias in society. There is thin privilege, and that might be hard for some of you to hear, but stereotypes and bias exist. And as parents, we are talking about body bias and how we know that if you are fat, right, or considered in a body that isn't as accepted in society, that you're at risk of being made fun of, of being the butt of a joke, of being passed up. There's a lot of, of actual indication that if you are fat, that word fat is being owned by by people. It's not a derogatory term. It's really like an identifier, like white or, you know, or I have tall or thin or tall, or thin. Tall. Yeah. Fat, thin. Yes, exactly. Uh, tall, short, right. Um, an identifier, but that there's a lot of stigma and, and stigmatization of larger bodies. And I think as parents, we see that and we get afraid. So we wanted to, you and I just name that the society is built towards thinness. 
it, it has a it has a value. It says thin is better. And as a parent, then we think, uh-oh, I better do everything I can to make sure my kid is safe. And that means being in a thin body. And that might get twisted up in our head because then we're like, I've got to put my kid on a diet. I've got to make sure they move. I've got to make sure they wear these certain clothing. And what we're saying is first, we just want to identify that that is a reality. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you want to speak on on it at all. Yeah. I find that for a lot of people, like, like when they first hear a message like this, diet culture, thin privilege, it's like, now that now I bet people listening will go into the world and start to see things like (laughs) culture. Like I remember seeing a LaCroix can that says like zero calories, zero sugar equals innocent. And it's like little things like that. Right. That's like, it's just your LaCroix, but it's like those kinds of messages, like essentially it's saying like, this is is a good drink and then others are bad. Right. And it's a good drink because it's zero calories. Exactly. It's a good drink because it won't make you fat. Exactly. You're innocent. Yes. So we, we, all, the, the thing yeah. about our bodies is we use them to decide what's beautiful. Thin is beautiful. We decide what's healthy. Thin is healthy. We decide what's moral. Thin is moral. And mm-hmm. so when we see a non-thin body, a fat body, it's easy to say that's not beautiful. That's not healthy. And that's not moral. Like they're yeah. not, they're not innocent doing something wrong, doing something and, wrong. Yeah. yeah. That's a, uh, I find that a lot with my clients is like, they're doing all the things and it's so like, it's so hard for them to see, like they're doing enough and they're doing it all right. Like the, there's nothing wrong. Like a lot of my work is like helping them just to see, like, you're doing enough. You're doing a good job. Well, um, the goal, right? Like when we, when we think about what is our goal, is it health or weight loss? Right. Is it health or changing our body size? Because we conflate the two and we think that health means small body. That's not necessarily true. My mom, before she died, she had lost over the, over two years, she died. She was 90 pounds. And when she got sick, she was 145. So she lost 55 pounds. She was a skin and bones. Mm -hmm. That is unhealthy. Sick. She's sick. I've had friends who've had uh, dietary issues or or, Crohn's and things like that that make them very ill, but they get skinny. And then everyone is like, oh my God, what diet are you on? And they're like, I'm on chronic diarrhea. That's what I'm on. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Absolutely. And that's not health, you know? And then there's other bodies that are the size they're meant to be and they're fine. They can move. They have cardiovascular health. They're able to hike up hills and do the things they want to do. They want society's not always built for those bodies and that's not fair, right? Like, I don't know. I can't think of an example of like maybe skiing. Clothing size. Clothing size. Yeah. Right. But when we as parents are, if our job, right, is to raise healthy children, what we're offering is that we don't need to conflate weight and body size with health. Yeah. Well, it's hard too, when that has been the message, not only from the media, and just like culturally, like out in the world, but also like from people we trust regarding like our health and like specifically talking about like healthcare providers, doctors, uh, nurses, they are just as much in diet culture as, as everyone else. And yeah. I think that also makes it hard to hear you, your doctor say, oh, your daughter needs to lose weight. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be such a different conversation where it's like, 
I have no reason to worry about my child's size, but I would love to talk about their actual like health. Like if my kid is having trouble keeping up, like jumping on a trampoline or whatever, then we're going to have different conversations about movement or, you know, bringing in maybe more vegetables. They're seeing what they're willing to eat more fiber, whatever. Right. There are, there are foods that support us more. Like in some of my coaching, I sometimes call them like power and pleasure food, which broccoli can be pleasurable. So we, we don't need to put that distinction, but for kids to go like, you know, some foods are power foods. You know, we, we eat them for, for our muscles and for our, our blood and our bones. And, and we want to give that, that mission to them. But what our hope is here is that we're not saying you're, you you can't be this big. That's mm-hmm. what we're talking about. That's not the driver for getting them to, for serving the broccoli. <laughs> yes. Right. Like I'm going to get my kid thinner and this, I start to see in my work, um, sometimes nine or 10, but mostly I start to see it in puberty when I, my, my clients, kids get to puberty. I'm not a nurse. I'm not a doctor. Anecdotally though, kids seem to put on some weight before Absolutely. they lean out, before they grow taller. It's almost Absolutely. like when they're babies or like toddlers and they have those big chubs and round bellies. And, and, it, and it's like, you know, we always joke like the organs are bigger than the body, right? Like whatever, you know, but they're putting on all that weight because they're going to lean out at three and four. They're going to grow a bunch of of height. And so we, their bodies aren't done in puberty. They're just beginning to, to get hips and, you know, to, to get muscles and to get, you know, all of these things. So it starts to be scary for parents. And then that's really where I see the diet culture sneak in the worry about my kid's going to be fat. And it's like, okay, is that bad? Like, what if that's okay? Yep. And are, what's your actual concern health or fitting in? Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. I think it is helpful to have that perspective because I, yeah. And I know like almost every single one of my client, like adult clients, right. Like thinks back to when they first started dieting and it was always in their teenage years Mm -hmm. and Often it's going with their mom to a Weight Watchers meeting or mm-hmm. doing a diet or plan with their with their mom because there's been a lot of hurt. The moms listening, like they probably saw their moms going on mm-hmm. diet, pick that up, and then we're it's it's very much generational. But yeah, to be able to just see like yeah, this is a normal like body like we said before, like body change is normal. Mm-hmm. It's normal, like, especially for kids in puberty time, like it's totally normal. <laughs> yeah. I think people need to hear that. Yeah. Like, cause like my, my son has acne and, um, you know, there's treatment for it and things like that, but I'm not like, oh my God, he's going to be ruined. You have acne forever. <laughs> yeah. Or like, I, I'm just like, oh, he's a teenager. You have more acne when you, cause your hormones are trying to find balance and like, it makes sense. I don't freak out. I mean, I'm going to sir- help him because he, he doesn't like it and he wants treatments and things like that. And like, you know, whatever, go to the dermatologist, all the things. But if I'm like, uh Oh, if kids aren't going to like you with those big fat zits, you're going to be hurt. You're going to, you know, I, I don't want to pass on the self-consciousness or the insecurity. I actually want to be the person who's like, yeah, you own it, mm. own your body, own your face, own your, 
you know, your pimples, own your brown hair, your blonde hair, or your height, be friends with yourself. But Mm -hmm. I have to go inside of myself and make sure I'm okay looking at like, how are they stacking up and how is that reflection on me? Are people going to think I'm not a good mom because my kid has blankety blank? Mm, Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to think here, like the reality is like, maybe some people do, but like, I think it's important to know, no, I, I am doing a good job. Like that's where that, like as a mom, that self-assurance, that self-concept, that self-confidence, like Mm -hmm. we have to really like lean into that. Yeah. Because people are going to judge. People might judge and we can't yeah. control that, right? Like they might judge our kids. They might Yeah, judge they might be like, well, look at this, look at they this, might little, judge this little chubby kid. Mom must be just letting them drink Coke and soda and whatever and, you know, eat sugar all the time. Or when you have a kid in a larger body and they are eating cake and, and you, you're thinking like everyone thinks that's all I let them eat is cake. And mm-hmm. even moms might even say like, wow, you're let, you know, second piece of cake. And there's so much comparison and judgment and we want to acknowledge and honor that that's true and hard. And my goal as a parent is to deliver to adulthood the most whole human that I can possibly push out there. And that means whole on the inside and on the outside. And that it's like, yeah, people are going to say what they're going to say and how do we, how do we own like their their body's the exact right size. I'm not worried. Yeah. They're learning. They're in a they're in a relationship with their body and food. They're gonna figure it out. Yeah. I, I'm wondering if some people listening though, because they're like I said before, you know, it's so ingrained in our brains that body size equals health. So mm-hmm. we said before, like I think if you for someone who is listening and who Maybe you're thinking like, oh yeah, I've, I've like put my kid on a diet or mm-hmm. I've like said, said snide th- remarks or not even not snide, snide, but maybe like subtle, like you sure yeah. you're going to have a second piece of cake or whatever. Yeah. yeah. It's coming. I don't want you to feel judged or this is coming from so much compassion because there's such a strong, strong message out. Like I said already from healthcare providers and like the people we trust that Mm -hmm. and everyone else that your weight equals your health, your kid's weight equals their health. And so I just want to say that like, you're doing the best that you have known how Mm -hmm. up until this point, what I would love for people to hear though, is that there's so much research out there now. um, And over the last, I don't know how many years that has come out to say that, no, actually we're wrong. That weight does not equal health. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's a kind of another, I don't know. I don't, I don't like the word movement. But, yeah. yeah. But I like think another, it's helpful that there's concepts and things and people yeah, pushing out concept. new ideas. Yeah. There's another concept that, you know, kind of goes along with the body positive called health at every size. I don't know if you've heard of that. Um, but basically what that, um, which there's a book called health at every size that I actually really like, if you want like a dense, like very, like looking at the research, um, that essentially says, you know, it's not our weight that equals our health. It's the things that we're doing. It's the habits that we have that we're partaking in. It's the, you know, eating balanced. And when I say balanced, it's not like it's eating intuitively. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's not restricting or 
Yeah. It's not restricting or having a plan. It's really about eating from all the macronutrients and keeping a a balance in your diet and and, And also uh, enjoying the pleasure, like you talked about, and then, you know, moving your body regularly and sleeping well and like Mm -hmm. managing your stress and all of that. Those are Mm -hmm. all the things that that's what impacts health. Mm -hmm. The weight is just a side, like it's, it can be an indication that maybe some of your habits aren't serving your, your health. But it's not Sometimes. the only, yeah, it's, it doesn't, it can be, but it doesn't necessarily oh. mean that. Yeah, absolutely. Like we said already, like so many factors go into weight. So anyway, all that to say, like, if you're kind of listening and you're like, um, I don't know, but like my kid, like, I'm just worried about their health. Mm-hmm. Um, just acknowledge like, that's the message that we've gotten for so many years that weight equals health, but that's actually not the reality. That's not the truth. So what, you know, I think you could look at is instead of, um, you know, looking at changing the body size, we can look at like, what's your kid doing? Like, are we eating like a pretty well-balanced diet and meal? Like, are we encouraging that? Are we bringing that into the house? Are we, you know, making foods that, are going to nourish our bodies as a family? Are we moving? You know, what's, what's going on there looking at the habits versus like the weight. Yes. No, it's good because as a parenting coach, one of my jobs is to teach parents how to set limits, Mm -hmm. how to have boundaries, you know, it within and within, within compassion, within empathy, within understanding, right? Like, Oh yes, of course you want to have another piece of candy. Like it's so delicious. And it's my job to keep your body safe. And I know that, that you, that, that's you've had enough sugar. So you're welcome to have one piece after dinner. You know, you can set all sorts of boundaries. Um, and that isn't because we're setting those boundaries to make them skinny or to prevent them from getting fat. Like that's the difference is like, no, I know their body. I am the expert ish, right. As a parent, you're at least a grown up. you would know more than them. And so you're, you know, just like you would about sleep, you'd be like, uh, 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 you're not staying up till 1130. You're right. four. You're oh, not. I love that, <laughs> I love that analogy. That makes it so much less like it just, yeah, just so much less like, cause food just feels hard sometimes, mm-hmm. even for me, like with my toddlers, sometimes I'm like, I don't know, like, <laughs> <laughs> well, because we don't okay. like, we don't know their in their body. We don't not, we're not in their belly. Right. Right. And like, we're not in their, um, their body knowing if they're tired or not, but there is some sort of, uh, we have some Intuition. understanding of what is yeah. like works best, you know, I think as, as adults. And if you don't, you can reach out to Victoria and she'll help you figure out what is a balanced diet and what does that look like? And, um, you know, what does it mean to intuitively eat? Like if you learn it as a, as a, as an adult, you're going to then trust your child's body and hunger in that, in that too. Um, and then work with me to t- set limits. Right? Here we go. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like, you know, but I do want to reference, I did an episode. Um, I don't remember was maybe in the, in the summer on picky eating. Mm-hmm. And it really was about, picky eating and peaceful dinners and like how to handle food. And I follow the Ellen Satter division of responsibility, which is the idea of I'm in charge as the parent of what is eaten, when it is eaten and where it is eaten. And the child is in charge of how much. And so I, I'm not necessarily going to serve Oreo cookies 
and call that dinner because I'm in charge of what is being eaten. I'm not going to give them a giant snack at the middle of a meal and then expect them to eat a meal later. So that kind of philosophy is a helpful thing. We'll reference that in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. I use that as well. And it's Mm -hmm. so helpful just like for myself, even with my kids, just, Mm -hmm. you know, like I'm going to provide this food and you get to decide how much you're going to eat. And if you are going to eat it Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then I always have an option that's like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich if they just don't want to eat it. <laughs> yeah, you do. You have a little rescue, a little rescue meal in there. Yeah. Yes. Um, and that that's, you know, pre- preference or whatever. We can do that or not. And when they're yeah. little, it, you want to manage hangriness, right? right? So you, you know, you want to like kind of make sure their bellies are full. But the, the big picture is that we are teaching our children how to have a relationship with food, how to have a relationship with their body. And in that we have to get a little, we have to do our own work to make sure that we're a little bit clean, as we say in coaching, like that I'm clean on my perspective. And that might mean working with a coach, either a health coach for yourself, your own body positivity, or working with a parenting coach and saying like, I want this, but I'm having my own blocks here on how to, how to unravel my relationship with my body or my relationship with food so that I don't pass this on to my kids. Because we want to be creating, uh, the, cultivating this home environment that promotes like a healthy relationship with food and body. And that's not always, it's, it, it's not always easy to do, but at least having it in our minds. So we're hoping from this podcast episode, right? That like parents are like walking away going, am I cultivating as much as I can a home environment that accepts, you know, that, that promotes our kids trust in their food and their hunger and their body. Yeah. 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 One thing I always tell moms is, you know, who are asking me about their kids and like that question, like, how do I help them? have a healthy relationship with food and their bodies. And my answer is always, it starts with you. You have to make sure. And it's not like, like sometimes that can feel like pressure, like, oh, so much responsibility. Um, but it's like, it is just a natural repercussion for our kids to have that when they see it in us. I know like for myself, even like my mom never told me like, said negative things about my body or, um, you know, never told me to go on a diet. And yet I developed a real, like an eating disorder. And I don't say like, it's not to blame her, but I did see her talk negatively about her body a lot and her talk negatively about food and like talk about calories and go on diets. And so just like this is what kids do, right? We, they pick up, they're like little mirrors. They pick up the, the tendencies of the parent. I'm learning that in my own, just (laughs) like parenting toddlers. It's Uh like when I can stay like, you know, calm Calm. Mm -hmm. my emotions, which is, I, I know like, this is why the work that you do, darling is like so important, but like I, it's like that Taylor Swift song. It's like, I know I'm the problem. I'm realizing (laughs) I'm the problem. It's me. (laughs) Mm-hmm. When I'm calm and when my emotions are regulated, like we have such a better day. Yeah, it's Amazing. so true. Well, they're borrowing our nervous systems. They're borrowing our cognitive function. They don't have these 
abilities, right? They're in, um, immature. And so they're also borrowing our boundaries, our, the, our values, the things we care about, the things that are important. They're picking all that up. And even if we don't explicitly say it, they're just yeah. brilliant. <laughs> yes, they are. Well, it's because, I mean, ultimately their need is to feel safe. And so they look to the adults around them and they get the clue of like, how do I feel safe? How do I work in this world? What, what does it look like for me in order to be attached to my parent and be accepted and belonged in the society? So they're always looking for clues because they don't get it a little and they, that they, they learn from us. Um, yeah, I remember a long time ago, I think it was before I had kids. One of my friends said to me, she had, she had a daughter, she has daughters. And she said, I made a commitment to never speak of my body in front of my kids. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, she had uh, like small fat body. If you get into the literature, those of you listening, like if you read some books, there's like small fat, large fat, like different ways to decide, describe fatness. Um, but you know, she just had made this commitment. Like, I'm going to not talk about this. I'm not going to berate myself. I'm not going to look in the mirror. I'm not going to talk about, you know, my hips and butt and tummies and, you know, all of that in front of my kids. And, I kind of, I mean, I have boys and it's a little bit different, not that boys don't develop disordered eating, but, um, I, I did own that a little, I did own that too. I was like, I'm just not going to be berate myself in front of my kids. And I've noticed sometimes my husband does it and talks about weight or talks about wanting to lose weight and these kinds of things. And every time he does that, I bristle. I'm like, Oh no, we don't, don't just, Cause I can feel that they're looking like, oh, I should care about this. This is, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Well, let's get into some practicals. Like what parents are listening. They're like, okay, I'm done with anti-fat. I'm good. I want to do it. I'm like, I want to raise my kids in self-acceptance and self-love. And they're all into it. They love what, everything we said. And now they're like, but how? That's right. what they want. They're like, Victoria, tell us how. Um, yeah. So you kind of just give us some guidelines or some thoughts about that. Yeah. Um, well, I think we've already talked a lot about just like uh, how you talk about bodies and bodies in the world, your own body, your kid's body, like how you speak is going to be really important. So we've already talked about that. Um, and then the other thing that I always remind parents and moms is that their kids are born intuitive eaters. Like when we look at a newborn baby, they are like the epitome of an intuitive eater. They cry and eat when they're hungry. They pull away and like no more stop when they're full. And so what I would want to just, what I want to just remind moms and dads listening right now is that your kid is like, that's their default. Their default is that they have that instinct to be an intuitive eater. And so I know this is really helpful for me, even like anytime, you know, my kids are like, all right, another, I need another serving. I want another serving. Um, or even on the opposite on days when they're like not eating a lot, uh, reminding myself even that like, okay, like they know their bodies best. Cause even like, like, yes, I think, like as far as parenting goes, we do create those boundaries. Right. But ultimately like they're the only ones living in their bodies. Like they're the ones that feel their bodies. And it's our job, I think, to help cultivate that for them, 
help them keep that intuition when it comes to food by, um, by encouraging them to connect with their bodies. I can share a couple of ways that I do that, this with my kids, yeah, um, please. but, or on the other hand, like maybe, you know, your kids are older and they're, they don't seem like super intuitive eaters, you know, helping them to get that back. Cause there's, it's like a muscle. And this is what I tell my clients. It's like, like eating intuitively. It's like a muscle. If you don't use it, you lose it. And so the same is with our kids. We, you know, when we're kind of like pressuring them to like eat in a certain way and eat this, don't eat that. Oh, you already had that, you know, already had another serving, no more for you. It takes them away from that trust with their bodies. It takes them away from listening to their bodies. And so what we want to do is help them to either keep that by encouraging them to connect with their bodies when it comes to eating or help them get that back. So a couple of ways that we do this is, um, it's actually turned into this really cute thing where, um, I started to just, you know, when my kids were, you know, little and getting up from the table and running around and I'd ask them, uh, you know, are you done? Is your belly full? And I, yeah. by saying, by asking, is your belly full? It helps them to like connect with their bodies. Right. So they're like thinking, is my belly full? I don't know. You know, and it helps them to learn, okay, what does fullness in my belly feel like? Um, and then encourages them to, you know, have that, that like connection with their bodies. So, um, you know, it's kind of cute now as like, they'll run away and they'll be like, my belly's full mom. Or, um, we were in Costco the other day and it was like a little bit late. You know, we were, it was probably like 12 o'clock and my kids hadn't had lunch yet. And so they were a little bit hungry. And my daughter looks at me and she goes, mom, my belly says it's hungry right now. And so it's just like teaching them to, I love like asking, you know, with little kids, you know, have them think about like, is my belly full? Is my belly hungry, you know, asking them that question is going to help get them to connect with their body. So yeah, I think think that's why it's so helpful when we put the food out and we say like, this is, this is what is available to eat. Mm -hmm. Take as much as you need. And, you know, I think that parents get worried, like they're going to eat all the rice. They're going to eat all the pasta. They're not going to eat any of the other things. And I, I don't know, like, okay, maybe it's fine. Just let trust them to feel full, get enough calories, get enough nutrients from that, whatever you offered and then move on. Um, but yeah, ask, you know, trusting that they're going to take what they need is is huge. Mm -hmm. And I've found, I've found as well with my kids that when I, like when they do, you know, ask for another serving of potatoes or whatever, and I'm like, but you haven't eaten your veggies or your like you know, chicken yet, but I like give them the extra serving. It's been fascinating to see that they'll eat a little bit more of like, say in this example, the potatoes, and then they'll go back to the other things, you know, it's like, and then also I think a good reminder for people is, you know, when it comes to kids and adults actually, is that balance doesn't have to be balanced in that one meal. It can be balanced throughout the whole day. And even throughout the whole week, actually, Mm -hmm. it's more important to have like Like not every meal, our kids don't have to like eat a perfect balance, quote unquote. Um, You know, maybe they eat, you know, just rice at a, 
at a meal and that's all they eat or just mac and cheese. Maybe at our next snack, we give them something with some protein. Like, you know, we can, we can incorporate that balance throughout the whole day or even the whole week. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think people get hung up on that one meal. Yeah. Um, Right. We just did maybe the next meal. We don't offer that type of food. Like, you know, we just, we're like, Oh no, it's this snack is just apples and peanut butter instead of you know, apples, peanut butter and crackers or whatever. And it's yeah. like, you know, this meal is just veggies and chicken tonight. It's not, there's no potatoes. And that is our, pro- we get to decide. I think uh, empowering parents. I remember a long time ago, uh, one of my first clients, she's like, all the kids want to do is eat bars, you know? Yeah, that's and, my guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, so they eat a bunch of bars after school and they're not hungry for dinner. And I said, well, just don't buy bars. Mm. And she's like, what? I was surprised that she had not considered that she didn't have to buy bars. And she was like, what do you mean? Just don't, don't have them. And I was like, correct. Like you are the adult. You have the money. You have the car. You know where the store is. Like you are the, you're the adult. You get to pick you. I know it's sweet and it's easy and it's lovely. But if I think if you see your kid, off balance a bit, then you pull back and you, you don't necessarily need to always offer that preferred food. And that Mm -hmm. doesn't mean, but my thing, and I think your thing too, is like the goal isn't make them skinny or whatever. It's like, no, we're going to help them grow their palate, get better relationship with food, trust food, trust their hunger, all of those things. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Or like what I do with the bar thing, because my kids, I mean, they want to they want to have like five bars a day um, is I'm like, no, like we're not going to have a bar right now. You can have this, this, or this. And I Mm -hmm. named three different other snacks that they Mm -hmm. can have. So that also like it empowers them to be able to like, they get a choice. They like the choice. So I'm Mm -hmm. not just like, no, you can't have that. You have to have this. I give them like, you're not like it's bar. It's no bar. It's only liver. Right. (laughs) Don't do that. (laughs) Um, and so they get the choice, but then I'm like, no, like we're not going to have a third bar today. <laughs> yeah. It's okay to say no to our kids. Okay. It doesn't mean like on the opposite. It doesn't mean that we're giving them an eating disorder. Yes. <laughs> like yeah. I think sometimes Absolutely. we, we're afraid if we restrict, then they're going to go over the top and eat overeat later. And, you know, it's like, how do you create a healthy relationship with, with food and snacks and things like that? And, and that means having a good relationship yourself with food and snacks and, you know, your own intuition working with Victoria. And then just realizing that you have, you are the adult. Mm-hmm. And so you do know best and you can say, no, you've already had a piece of cake. Um, parents will often say, well, like they still go in the cupboard or they, you know, they sneak food and say, okay, then, then book a consult with me and we can work through how to create better boundaries, but the, the, the desire for your children to, to have snacks and to have sweets and things like that, it's fast calories. It's easy to digest. It's easy to use. They're growing a lot. They're going to be drawn to those foods. So we do. They're fun. They're usually more fun. fun. Yeah. They're also colorful. They taste, you know, come in a package a lot of times. Yeah. (laughs) Um, they're sweet. They're pretty. So yes, there's a lot of reasons that you know, sweets and snacks are attractive and, and that we are going to be 
needing to set boundaries in order to give them opportunity to grow their mm. relationship with other foods. So yeah. the limits doesn't create the disorder. It's the thoughts that we have about food and about their body and those kinds of things that really creates that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. Um, I'm thinking of like another thing that a lot of parents struggle with is like the, the sugar, like you were talking about hiding food and, mm-hmm. um, oftentimes, you know, the hiding food and the like eating candy in secret or like wanting candy all the time usually comes from restriction because mm-hmm. that's like the natural kind of backlash of like restriction is like wanting it even more. And so, um, like for our kids, like I always, you know, candy, like we have our Halloween candy in our cupboard and have some Christmas, you know, yummy peppermint bark that we just got from Costco. That's delicious. <laughs> and I try, I let them, like I give them, I, um, bring it out like mm-hmm. every once a day, every couple of days. And I'm like, Hey, here we go. Like, this is like, we normalize it. It's just mm-hmm. like, Hey, here's some candy. Like, yeah, you can have a piece and not making a, it a big deal, not making it this off limits thing. Um, which again, it goes back to your own relationship with candy and sugar, uh, can play a huge role, but, um, you know, just kind of normalizing it, especially if you have a kid who's like really hung up on like needing the sugar all the time and wanting it and asking for it. Um, I saw someone recommend, um, on Instagram and I love this is as the parent, like bringing it out first before, like sometimes before your kid even asks, just like, Mm -hmm. Hey, yeah, I love that. Yeah. And you know, there could be, there could be reasons that kids crave more sugar than other, you know, it's good to explore that and figure out what other emotional need might they be, be having been met. Maybe they have a lot of energy or maybe they don't have a lot of energy in their body. It, it there's, it's good to explore what's going on without necessarily, um, demonizing the desire or demonizing the food itself. I like how you said, just normalizing it. You're like, this is our peppermint bark time. And it's like, yeah, um, I love that. And then yeah. I have some with them. <laughs> yeah. Yum. I am like, I'm going to go to Costco right now and get some. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> um, yeah. I love, I love all of this. Um, any last thoughts that you have that you want to share that, that we didn't get to? Um, I think we pretty much covered it. Um, I think I would just like reiterate like that, you know, doing this work yourself as a parent is where it starts. And, um, you know, I think it's easy to just as moms, I find it's, it's harder to like, want to, I guess, like invest in ourselves and easier to say like, oh, I just, I need to like, get help for my kid, get a dietitian or get a, yes. whatever, a coach or a tutor. I mean, yeah. yeah, we're much more likely to invest in our children than ourselves. But like the value really comes from investing in yourself, either, mm-hmm. you know, like for parenting stuff or, you know, with your relationship with food and your body. But, um, yeah, it starts, it starts with you and that yeah. can be really empowering, you know? Yeah. That's beautiful. Thanks for the reminder. And this is like, how I, how I wanted to close or what I wanted to say is that when we, we talked a lot about how the society is built around thin privilege and anti-fat bias and 
that diet should always focus on weight loss and, and changing body sizes. And so when we buy into that system and when we buy into that distorted way of valuing humans, then we are perpetuating it and, and continuing that problem for our kids and for the entire generation. And so if we could decide to stop looking at our kids as the problem or their body as the problem, and instead look at the societal's values as the issue, the diet culture as the issue and the anti-fat bias, that those are the problems and naming it and opting out of it, that will free us from our need to subscribe to it, to like participate in it. And it frees our children from needing to participate in it. And if we can all do that as a whole generation of raising kids, this next generation may not have to go through this level of pain. So yeah. it's Oof. like, it's, it's, yeah, I know, right. It's important. <laughs> it's like so it's important on that. a small level and it's important as a societal level. Absolutely. You know, the work you're doing is important for sure. Healing, healing women now. And then they don't perpetuate this pain is, is our, is our goal. Yeah. So thank you. Tell, tell us how people can find you. Tell us how people can work with you. We'll also put all this in the show notes, but yeah. So you, my kind of hub for everything is my website. It's victoria-yates.com. And I also am on Instagram. I'm at non-diet underscore RN. And, um, you can also listen to my podcast. I have a podcast. I put an episode out every week called the redefining health podcast. Um, so yeah. Perfect title. Cause that's what we're doing, right? Redefining health, even in this conversation. Yeah. Yep. So I highly recommend working with Victoria. I learned a lot from you when I follow your Instagram and yeah, you know, look at your, your freebies. What's your freebie right now? What do you, what do you help people with? Like, yeah, on a little taste of what it's like to work with you. Absolutely. Yeah. So you can get, um, I have a free masterclass right now. It's called stop when you're full and I go into the six reasons why you are struggling to stop eating when you're full, why you are overeating and then how to, you know, depending on what, which one you struggle with, how to get better at being able to stop when you're full. That's a super common thing that my clients struggle with. Um, so yeah, if that's, that's amazing. Oh my god! You gosh. can find that at my website or, um, you can find it at, maybe we can, I'll share the show, the link with you if you want. Um, you can see Instagram as well. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. Stop when you're full is so good. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks.